0: Hey friends, welcome to episode 138 of Motherhood in Hollywood and we have got a good one for you today you guys. I am interviewing the producer of the hit film I Can Only Imagine. If you haven't heard of it, it sort of took Hollywood by surprise. So, I can't wait to tell you guys what I mean by that. So, here we go. Hello, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers, it's time for
1: Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts, here's Heather.
0: Hey friends, I hope you're having a wonderful week. I have been having a phenomenal week couple of weeks, actually, not to brag, but I'm going to brag. If you've not been following along on Motherhood in Hollywood on my Facebook and Instagram page, you may have missed some big announcements that I had. One of them being, I am an official 2018 Webby Award honoree. Yay! Which is so exciting and such a thrill and honor because um, more than 13,000 people entered and I was one of the ones selected to be honored by the Webby Awards for my podcast. And I just, it's so weirdly validating. I know it shouldn't matter. Um, to win awards. It's why everybody makes fun of the Oscars and the Globes and and all that stuff every year. But it does matter. It feels very validating um, to hear that people outside of your circle, you know, like what you do and appreciate you what you do and are willing to recognize it. So yay. Thank you so much to the Webby Awards. And um, thank you to everybody who has taken the time to listen to my podcast, um, subscribe to it, leave a comment, um, follow me on social, any of those things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And speaking of subscribing to my podcast, so I've recently been in the transition of moving away from my pod- my podcast um, platform, Blog Talk Radio, and into a new platform for hosting podcasting. And it's been kind of a weird transition. So I want to do a little housekeeping here. And just for a minute, make sure I ask you guys, please, please, please take a second and subscribe to my podcast. If you haven't already, or if you think maybe you're subscribed before, please resubscribe because it's in a different feed now. It's a different address online. All of that stuff is different. So I want to make sure you guys can find my show in the future and moving forward. All right. Thank you for doing that. And also follow me on Motherhood in Hollywood on Instagram and Facebook and Heather Broker on Twitter. Okay. So <laughs> got to get all that out of the way. So these past couple of weeks, we have had um, my two favorite people in the world had their birthdays. April is my favorite month because we had to celebrate Channing's birthday on the 5th and then Chris's birthday on the 15th. And Channing turned five years old. and We had a rainbows and unicorns party, which was so much fun. We did it at a little karaoke place. All her friends came. And Then she got like a little, like, she wasn't feeling well towards the end of her party, and she tripped and fell and bit her lip and scraped her knee and her hand. <laughs> so it was like a rough way to end your birthday party, which was like so much fun. Um, but she bounced back pretty quickly, and um, we bought her a trampoline, and um, she loves it, loves jumping around on it. She has so much energy. I honestly. Don't remember having that much energy when I was her age, but I'm sure I did. I just don't have it now. I don't know. I don't know where my energy went somewhere. I lost it in the last like 40 years. But anyway, Um, and then Chris's birthday was lovely as well. We went out to dinner with some friends and then um, gave him some um, rad gifts and just sort of been celebrating the past few weeks. And then in two more weeks, we have our anniversary. So I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to do a little staycation in LA. So stay tuned. What's been happening in the world? So much is happening. Um, some of it I can't quite tell you about yet. But I have a big announcement coming in the next week or so. So please make sure that you are following along at home. Um, some stuff I'm very excited to share with you guys. It's been interesting to see how... My career has sort of taken turns and changes. Um, You know, I'm an actor, and I've always wanted to be an actor, you know, since I was in high school. Um, But I became a journalist (laughs) instead, long story short. Um, And also love reporting, and I love news, and I love doing those sorts of things, and going to press junkets, and talking about movies, and going to see movies. And so... um, I'm finding more and more I'm having a hard time deciding between the two worlds. And I talked to Chris a lot about it and he's like, well, why do you have to decide between the two? Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Can't you do both? They kind of go hand in hand, you know, acting is a performance of kind. And so is reporting and being in front of the camera and hosting and that sort of thing. And I was like, Oh, I guess it kind of, I mean, it, they are related for sure. Um, I just always felt, felt like I couldn't do both. And watching friends of mine online, watching people that I've met that I admire, I realize like there's nothing that says I can't do both. I'm, you can sort of write the rules to your own life. You know, you can decide, I want to try this, you know, or if you've always wanted to be a, a baker, you know, you could start cooking in your own kitchen and baking things. That is not my dream, by the way. <laughs> Good for you if that is your dream. But like truly, there's nothing that says that we have to just fit into one mold anymore. You know, it's back in our, when our parents were growing up, it was like you got a job and that's what you did for 50 years and then you retired. And now you don't necessarily have to do that. You can do multiple things. You could be a, a multi-hyphenate, an actor, a writer, t- reporter, host, mom, you You know, lover, whatever, whatever the case may be. So, um, I, I'm been thinking more and more about that, about how I see my life over the next decade or two unfolding and what I want to be doing. And, um, I'm really exploring all opportunities and options. And I really encourage you guys to do that as well. If you see there's something you always wanted to do, don't hold back. Like, what are you waiting for? You know, seize the day. Carpe diem, bitches. Uh... (laughs) I swear, not drunk, um, just in a really good mood. Um, all right. I want to share this interview with you guys. So I interviewed um, Kevin Downs. He's one of the producers of a film called I Can Only Imagine. I Can Only Imagine is a faith-based film that shot entirely in Oklahoma, where I'm from. Hey, girl. And um, it is based on the story from this singer named Bart Millard, and he is the lead singer of a Christian rock band called Mercy Me. And the song is a huge hit. I can only imagine. And now the movie based on his life story is also a huge hit. It was made for $7 million. And as of this recording has made $75 million at the box office. Kevin tells me that nobody in Hollywood you know, really wanted to take it on. And they knew it was going to be an indie project with a grassroots marketing effort. And they really just had a passion for it and a passion to tell these types of stories. So I was excited to talk with him about filming in Oklahoma, my home state, but also what it's like to produce and truly Indie film in today's world of Marvel movies and superhero movies. Um, what were the, some of the things he faced? He's a father of three. He lives in orange County here in California and has a really wonderful and inspiring take on Hollywood and the industry and what he feels like people want to see when they go to the movies. So if you have not seen I Can Only Imagine yet, definitely go and do that. You will be inspired no matter what your faith is, no matter what your beliefs are. It's just a truly inspiring, clean family movie. And then um, and then listen to what Kevin has to say. I'd love to hear what you guys think uh, about his take on Hollywood. All right. So here is my interview with Kevin Downs. So I want to talk a little bit, first of all, about um, where did this idea come from, and, and at what point were you involved in the beginning stages for "I Can Only Imagine"?
1: Yeah, the idea for "I Can Only Imagine" came from, uh, you know, it came from one of my producing partners, Cindy Bond. She had optioned the rights uh, to Bart's story, Bart Miller, the lead singer of Mercy Me, about seven years ago, and she uh, was developing it uh, at a studio here in town, and. Um, uh, they just couldn't quite get it off the ground, and so uh, after our last film, my film, last film with the uh, Irwin Brothers, it was called Woodlawn, uh, came out in theaters. We were looking and kind of searching for what the next film was that we were going to do together. And so, when I can only imagine, kind of came across my plate. I'm like, you know what? We should really explore this and kind of look into this. Uh, you know, the Irwin Brothers—they got their start in music videos, doing uh, music, directing music videos out of Nashville. And um, I just knew there was something here that we should really look into. And so the more we looked into it, the more we were kind of just scratching our head going, man, this is a, this is a movie. Like people aren't gonna really believe that this story actually happened, so. Um,
0: I wanna talk about you personally just for a second. Now, um, did you, you're an actor, you started off as an actor, you're continuing to act? And-
1: yeah, yeah, I started as an actor. I'm born and raised in California. And so I uh, moved down to Los Angeles when I was like 21. And um, you know, still love to act and, and, and do so, but uh, producing obviously is the skill set that I've developed over the last couple of, of decades. And, uh, and we, you know, I partnered with the Irwin brothers about five or six years ago. Our first film together was called Mom's Night Out. It was kind of a mom's comedy. Uh, that we did. We actually did it because it was a love letter to our wives. Uh, a lot of the films that we see in our space are so guy centric mm-hmm. and very guy heavy. And and uh, my wife was always kind of bugging me, when are you gonna make a movie for me? And that kind of started the whole thing of you know we should make a what if we made like a mom comedy but a clean one that all moms can enjoy that kind of lifted up uh, motherhood. So uh, that's where that one came from. But that experience was so good. Uh, we went right into Woodlawn, which was a true story, a biopic um, that was very close to the Irwin's heart. Um, it was kind of a bedtime story growing up for those guys. And, uh, but about football. I'm a sports nut. I love, I love football. I'm like, yeah, let's do another one together. So we did that one. And then right after Woodlawn is when I Can Only Imagine came across our plate. And uh, really a special film. Uh, it's, I think it's inspiring that, um, you know, obviously the size of box office, uh, really shows that America is really uh, really connecting with a film that's about hope and and uh, and, and forgiveness and redemption and uh, inspiration. And so uh, that, that really is uh, satisfying to see that.
0: I want to touch on that a little bit. That's something really important that you brought up is this is considered to be a faith-based film. Would you yep. agree with that? Yep. Um, what is it about faith-based films or this film in particular that you think Audiences are craving right now. Yeah, I mean, they literally went out and like it was a, it beat out some huge movies the weekend it opened.
1: Yeah, no, I mean the the, the sheer size and volume of the films that I can only imagine is beaten out. I mean, look, for me, the credit goes to God. I mean, we have a strong faith, a strong relationship with God that really drives our choices and the reason that we do uh, make certain choices in the stories that we want to tell. And so um, when we finish a film, basically what we do is we kind, of, we kind of give it back to God and say, God, this is your movie. And, and it's, it, no matter what the numbers are, uh, we're going to be pleased and satisfied because we understand the purpose behind why we made this film.
0: Do you think that um, audiences are flocking to it because they don't see a lot of that type of clean family
1: movie? Yeah, I think so. I think what you've seen in the marketplace is sort of an overabundance of the comic book fair, uh, a lot of comic book heroes, and yeah, almost to a saturation point where it used to be just in the summertime, but now it's just like year-round. And, and yet we've gotten away from, uh, especially the flyover states, you know what we love, which is uh, movies about hope and inspiration that really resemble what our core values are.
0: I think there's a lot of people in the flyover states um, that feel like Hollywood has kind of um, left them out of the conversation. Mm. Um, There is almost a backlash now where they think that um, Hollywood is elitist, uh, the entertainment industry is extremely liberal, doesn't reflect their conservative values. Um, Is that something that you have seen in talking to people who have gone to see the movie, or is that something you've noticed in your research
1: yeah, you know what, I think that's why I love partnering with the Irwin Brothers. These guys are good old Alabama boys. Uh, where I was born and raised in Central California is kind of like Oklahoma a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's agriculture, it's 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 just, you know, uh, the heart of America, but it's just in this pocket of the Central Valley of California. And so shooting in Oklahoma for I can only imagine was kind of like being at home for me. It wasn't really a whole lot different. It's way different than what it is down here in Southern California. And so, but what it takes is, it takes filmmakers that have a heart uh, for these types of stories. And that's what we, we have a heart for these types of stories. And so we'll continue to make stories like I can only imagine in the future because that's what we're passionate about. Um, And I think that's what dictates kind of some of the films that get made. Uh, You know, it's like (laughs) there's certain, there's other genres of film that are successful out there, but I wouldn't have a desire to make them. So I think it goes both ways. Um, and I think you just, you know, it takes so much time to actually get a film made, so you're going to make uh, films and stories that you're really passionate about.
0: I'd like to talk a little bit about that because of the problems of so many comic book movies, like these big blockbusters, every few months now. Yeah. I've heard from other industry insiders that they're saying that it's almost impossible now to get an indie film made, to get something small like this mm-hmm. made. Um, did you find that you were up against a wall when it came to like getting funding or getting this distri- distributed?
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there was some of that uh, initially. So, um, you know, we initially shopped it uh, when we started the story, uh, started the development of the story. But you know what, we knew that at the end of the day, we were going to have to raise all the money ourselves, And so there there was a certain amount of Um we wanted to do that. I mean it wasn't like, oh darn, nobody wants this. Uh but what what the reason why we did it is because it allowed us to kind of be in control of the marketing of the film. Mm -hmm. And uh we So this
0: is a truly independent film.
1: Oh yeah, no, this truly independent film. Yeah, we brought all you a Kickstarter? No, not at all. You (laughs) know, you know, a lot of the the wealth is from Middle America. Mm -hmm. Um just really uh investors coming in. Yeah, investor yeah, ideological middle America wealth that believe in the themes and the stories of the films that we're trying to make. So a lot of Oklahoma wealth, to be honest. And um, and so they're excited about the story behind I Can Only Imagine and stories like that getting out there into the theaters across America. So uh, that, that was very important for us to be able to attract those individuals and really kind of develop this vision for what we're trying to do. And so what that did is when we were finished with the film and we brought it to distributors to shop it, you know, uh, we have a great film. We, we, we did our own testing uh, with kind of the Hollywood test scores. It tested off the charts. And so we brought that into uh, the conversation and uh, we had all the marketing money raised and uh, and then we got some offers and we chose Lionsgate and Roadside Attractions. They've been a great partner.
0: Um. I would love to, as I mentioned before, I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma, over the past several years, since they got this awesome tax break mm. that they passed, um, has really started seeing a resurgence in filmmaking and, and things yeah. like that. What played into the factor in filming there uh, in Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, two things played into the factor. So, number one, uh, Bart's story, uh, he's from Greenville, Texas, which is down by the Oklahoma Texas border. Mm-hmm. And so. We wanted to capture um, a location that really took advantage uh, of of some of the- Small town feel. Yeah, small town feel, middle America. But also the band kind of got its start in Oklahoma City. And and so when we were scouting around, we're like, you know what, Oklahoma makes a lot of sense. We also explore the tax credits. And so when we uh, met with the Oklahoma Film Office and and started to explore what those tax credits were, uh, that did have a big factor in us choosing Oklahoma over maybe say Louisiana, Texas like, or Texas even, <laughs> and, and uh, the film base in Oklahoma, there's some crew in Oklahoma, and it, it all factored into us ultimately choosing there, but at the end of the day, we wanted to uh, really show Oklahoma off because the film itself led to showing these beautiful cinematic landscapes, and I think you see that quite a bit, and I can only imagine, so we're proud of that. Mm.
0: Um, tell me about your experience filming there. What were the people like? What was the weather like? Oh my gosh. (laughs) People in Oklahoma love, we love to talk about the weather.
1: Yeah, the the people are amazing. So the people were like down home and you know, the Irwin brothers loved it. We loved the people, everybody very genuinely nice. And so it made for really a wonderful experience. The weather, let's talk about the weather for a minute. (laughs) So believe it or not, in college, I didn't major in film. I actually majored in uh, geography with an emphasis on climatology. Oh, wow. And so my dream, if it didn't work out as an actor or whatnot, I want to go chase tornadoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I tell everybody that when we went to Oklahoma, they, they look at me kind of funny like I'm crazy, but I still, ha- I still haven't chased a tornado yet, but uh, one of these April and May uh, time periods, I'll go out there and, and maybe chase one down with some experts. I won't do it by myself. But, uh, and so the weather was fascinating because one night we were shooting, and um, you know it was actually we shot in <laughs> uh, December and January, so you would think cold all the time. But you just never know in Oklahoma, and so one night we were shooting, and there was this. It was kind of warm outside, um, which was great for shooting. But then we kind of got a weather alert that uh, there was this cold front that was dipping down from the north, and it was going to get cold quite a bit. Well. I was outside, it was like 11.30 at night. I was outside when this happened, and I'm talking in the matter of 10 seconds, the what the temperature dropped like 20 degrees. It was incredible. It was like, oh my goodness, we gotta go get our coats on. What is going on? So uh, being from California, you don't experience that rapid change in temperature like There's that.
0: There's a saying in Oklahoma where if you don't like the weather,
1: just wait a minute yeah, and it'll change. Yeah, totally. It does. It totally does. Yeah. And, and you feel like, I don't, I mean, people thought I was crazy, but I actually felt like, like the, the 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 barometric pressure change in my bones, I'm like, it's man, true, it's yeah. true. You totally feel it. And
0: did you feel the wind sweeping down the
1: plane? Oh like yeah, rain? oh yeah, the, no, the really wind, cool. yeah the wind was <laughs> definitely. Uh, in fact, some of the we had some family photos taken uh, over Thanksgiving because we were out, you know, setting up the shoot, and um, you can see the wind just whipping my kids and my wife's hair. But I'm like, oh, that's perfect because it totally represents Oklahoma. Totally. Yeah. What,
0: did you film? Just this past recent?
1: Uh, yeah, no, no it was uh, the end of 2016 and January 2017. Oh,
0: okay. I was yep. like, whoa, that is a fast turnaround. I was yeah, no,
1: no, no. I'm yeah, awesome. so part of our strategy with the film uh, was to take about nine months and really like nine months with a finished product mm-hmm. and then do, do a heavy grassroots marketing across the country. And so that included, you know, screening the film in churches and uh, conventions and ministries and really partnering up with a lot of, uh, uh, grassroots efforts across the uh, the nation. Yeah.
0: When I was a reporter in Oklahoma and Kansas, um, we used to have to do tornado coverage training. So my news director would take an envelope and he would like put it in our news vans, and then when we started our drill, we go out. We'd have like a mock run through on how to cover <laughs> wow. safely a tornado. Yeah. So we'd go out and my envelope, our envelope would say uh, a tornado has been spotted north of town, yeah, yeah. Um, head that direction, and look for damage. So we would go that way and we would do a mock-like newscast where we would go, okay, there's damage here, blah, blah, blah. You know. Um. And it was super helpful because when the tornadoes hit, we were prepared and we yeah. knew what to do and where to position ourselves so we were not in the path yeah. of the tornado because it's...
1: <laughs> oh yeah, because it can spin on a dime. It can you turn don't, you, a heartbeat yeah, out. and you don't know, and those things are so big. They're so, have yeah. you ever
0: done meteorology? Uh, Been a meteorologist? Oh. If you had done geography and oh yeah, climate.
1: yeah, 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 no, yeah. So that obviously, you either teach when you're studying climatology, right. or you go into meteorology. Right. And so that was a thought, but uh, actually, my senior year of college is when I produced my first film, and so actually, my te- yeah, well, yeah, and my teachers were like, you know, again, I was down here already acting. And so my teachers were like, wait a minute, you're what? You're producing a movie? Why are you here? And I'm like, because I love climatology. I wanna learn something new. I don't wanna go to school to do what it is that I know I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. So it's okay. a lot of fun, yeah.
0: Um, tell me a little bit about, um, you were talk- You just touched on a little bit the marketing process for this. Mm-hmm. So you had a very clear marketing plan in place to reach out to um, faith-based organizations to try to get them on board with the movie. What kind of response did you
1: get from that? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, you know, here we have a song that's the best-selling, most-played, contemporary Christian song of all time. So, I mean, literally, we would go into groups, large or small, ask how many have heard of the song, I can only imagine. And it's 100%. The awareness was 100% people raised their hands. And so that made it really easy. So there wasn't a whole lot of convincing. Uh, And so then when we showed the movie, the movie just did the work. It was great having Dennis Quaid because he brings a familiar face to the screen. Uh, But the song really did a lot of heavy lifting. Also the band, Mercy Me, they actually did it. they toured for nine months up to the release of the film. And so they were going city to city, night after night and and doing, within their concerts, they would have a little uh, three to four minute segment just on the promotion of the movie as well as singing the song I can only imagine which they sing every night so you know it was a very very heavy grassroots campaign that totally went under the radar of Hollywood it was so great because like opening week I think about four or five days before we released in theater I think the trades had us opening at like two million dollars with like four million for the run. I mean, it was so, they were so off. In fact, we were getting phone calls from some of our investors going, should we be worried about this? And I'm like, no, no, don't, don't, don't listen to them. Were you worried about No, that? not at all. No, no, cause we knew, cause we were tracking our advanced ticket sales, uh, which were, uh, through the roof I mean it was in the millions and uh, as you saw with that Thursday night uh, uh, preview number was 1.6 million dollars there were so many advanced ticket sales that weren't just Thursday night it was all throughout that week that opening week
0: what did it debut at number
1: two right? no uh, no no no. it debuted at number three yep uh, 17.1 million dollars just an incredible number on 1600 screens so amazing amazing. and it
0: was did it, I think it went up to number two, or maybe it it's uh, at number the, three? Yeah,
1: first two weeks, number three, the third week, number four, um, and then our fourth week, uh, we ended up at number six, so. But that's, un- that's amazing. Incredible. yeah, incredible, yeah.
0: Um, I wanna talk a little bit about the cast. Is it challenging to convince the big Hollywood stars to come on board with a faith-based movie? Did you have any difficulty with that, or was it, uh, did, you, did you find that big stars were receptive to it?
1: look i mean hollywood is definitely a relationship business and so um, you know, Dennis Quaid didn't know who we were uh, for the most part. Really, didn't know who we were. So there was definitely some convincing that we had to do. Why throughout. Dennis
0: Quaid? Did you feel like he was the one? We for
1: the felt, part? yeah. We just felt that he was so perfect for what this role was. Um, you know, he did another faith-based film called Soul Surfer, which was uh, obviously another huge hit. And the um, some of the makers of that film just said he was so wonderful to work with. And just looking at his filmography, some of the roles that he's done, uh, you know, he hadn't done a role quite like this role before, so we knew that would be attractive to him. But just his, his overall makeup, we knew that he, he's such a great actor and he really delivered in a really big way. So uh, we're glad we got him. Uh, he, he, he actually, he's become a great friend. And uh, he's, his question is, when do we get to do another one? So it's oh, really, really great.
0: As an actor, like an actor, I can tell you, there's always, when is the next one? When is the next yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. always do that too when I yeah. book a role. I'm like, okay, when do we get to do it again? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, you know, it's, in a, it's something you crave to do in a performance and you want to yeah. make people happy. And yeah. Yeah. Um, would you ever film in Oklahoma again?
1: Oh, of course! Oh, Oklahoma was great. There was absolutely no negative about it whatsoever. It was such an easy state, uh, meaning easygoing state for us to uh, set up shop and do a uh, do a film there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate.
0: And what would you like people to know about this movie? Maybe who are not faith based, maybe don't have a, you know, subscribe to a religion. Yeah. What would you like them to know about this film?
1: Yeah, look, this film is universal. I meaning it's accessible to anybody. I mean, it's a story about hope and redemption and a father-son story. We all have a dad at some point or another in our life. And, um, you know, and so that's the main uh, relationship in the film is a father-son story. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to leave the theater with this rush of hope. It's going to make you feel good, and everybody likes a feel-good story
0: what is next for you and your production company are you going to be working on something that maybe features you more as an actor or do you are you looking at other scripts to produce
1: yeah what's next is uh, the Irwins and I will kind of take this time to explore some we have some ideas for stories that we want to do next but we haven't quite made a decision on what might be the next one so uh, over the next couple of months we'll continue to explore those ideas and uh, actually pray through it we'll pray as we did with I can only imagine we'll sit and we'll go through a time of prayer where We want to make sure that uh, God wants us to tell that specific story. That's wonderful.
0: Well, I wish you all the best. I'm very excited for you and your success. So congratulations. Oh,
1: Thanks so much. Good to talk to you. You too.
0: Mama funny. Balls.